0: Today on Blue 58, the NFL draft is over. The Packers have signed their free agents, and now all we have to do is wait for training camp to start, whenever that might be. But when it does, there's going to be a bunch of position battles going on, right? Right? Maybe not. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of the ThePowerSweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink, Happy to be with you here for another episode. Something I like to do every time, every year about this time, is to sit down and see how much of the Packers roster is really up for grabs at this point. Because if you really think about it, it's basically set. whenever the Packers season does start, and that's getting to be a, boy, that's a, a bit of a crazy question now, isn't it? Whenever this season does get rolling, I think the roster is basically set now. Now that the draft is over, now that the Packers have all their undrafted free agents, chances are they know a good portion of their roster already. And I'm not talking like 50%. I'm talking like 85-90% of their roster is already set. It's a cool narrative every year that there are positions... Spots in the 53-man roster won and lost every year, but that really doesn't reflect reality. If you sit down and try to predict the roster at the start of training camp, chances are you're only going to be off by five or six names by the time things all wind up. And most of that uncertainty is due to injuries, trades that are just too good to pass up, stuff like that. Right now, the Packers, as an organization, have a really good idea who is going to be on their final 53-man roster, and I think we can too. So on this episode, I would like to just talk through the roster and make a prediction as to who's going to be on that final 53-man roster. And I've categorized every player on this 53 as a lock, a good bet, or completely uncertain. Could go either way. Of the 53 spots up for grabs on the roster, I think 32 at least are locked in now. And that number, I think, could actually be a lot higher given the uncertainty going on in everywhere right now. Kind of gesturing expansively here in my podcast recording area. Everything's a little bit weird right now, right? We can agree on that. Given that uncertainty... I think the Packers roster probably skews a little bit more veteran and a little bit more familiar. Guys that were on the roster last year, I think are going to have a serious inside track on newcomers. So for instance, one name that I'll pull right out of of the hat right here is Kadar Holman. I think he's a good example of this. Late round draft pick, sixth round draft pick last year. On the 53 for all of last year, didn't get a ton of playing time. But in a situation where he's competing against a bunch of newcomers, I think he probably has the inside track. If training camp is abbreviated this year, guys like that have a leg up. That's what we saw back in 2011, where there was the lockout training camp cut way down. And I think that's similar to what we're going to see here. And for the record, I still think there is going to be an NFL season. I think right now it looks like it's going to be delayed but I'm also not very confident in that at all. I would say I like 65% believe there's going to be an NFL season, and that's, you probably got me in a good mood right now. Uh, I'm pretty pretty confident something's going to happen. Might be an abbreviated season, might be a delayed season, but I'm pretty confident right now something is going to happen. Ask me again tomorrow, I might like 30% believe it. You never know. Again, weird time going on right now. So let's start on offense, just work our way through the roster, and uh and see where we end up. Big position right off the bat is quarterback. I think there are two locks here and one good bet. Aaron Rodgers is going to be on the 53 man roster. I know, shocking, right? Same goes for Jordan Love. 26th overall pick Packers traded up to get him. Yeah, they're not going to cut him. It's just not going to happen. In fact, I can't think of a time, at least in the modern era, where the f- first round pick of a team didn't make it out of out of training camp. Um I'm sure there is an example. I can't think of a Packers one, at least in the last 20, 25 years. You just have so many resources developed or devoted to a pick like that, that just giving up on them after one camp just is kind of insane. I also think Tim Boyle is a pretty good bet here, and here's why. Um, I think there are a fair amount of question marks around Jordan Love, and I think there are a fair amount of question marks, um, around how quickly he'll be able to get up to speed in a situation where there could be an abbreviated offseason. And I think that's fair. Again, that that's kind of the case for, for all rookies this year. It's going to be tough for them to get up to speed in the same way that they usually would. So I think you keep Tim Boyle around as a little extra insurance. Don't risk him going on the practice squad or whatever. I don't even know if he's eligible. Doesn't really matter. You just keep three quarterbacks just to have a little added stability there. You don't get caught completely off, not, not really off guard, whatever. You don't get caught in a situation where it's going to ruin you completely, even in the short term, if Aaron Rodgers would miss like three weeks or something like that. Suddenly you've got, if you just carry Rodgers in love, Rodgers gets hurt. Suddenly you've got love and nobody else at quarterback. That's a situation I think the Packers would like to avoid. So I think it's Rodgers and love and Boyle. At running back, I think there are three locks here, and I'm, I'm grouping the fullbacks in here too. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and Josiah Deguara. Those are your locks. I'm counting Deguara as a fullback. Uh, Jones is the undisputed number one back in Green Bay. Dillon is a second round pick, and much like first round picks, they don't go away that quickly. Degara, their fullback sort of fullback tight end hybrid. You could have him as a tight end as well. I think he's more the way the Packers have talked about him, a fullback who's going to do some tight end things than a tight end who does fullback things. But that's probably a, a distinction without a difference. But I think you see what I'm saying. The Packers seem to like him as a fullback. So let's group him with the backfield players for now. The two question marks here, and I think the Packers ultimately carry five backs, at least as things stand right now are Tyler Irvin and Jamal Williams. I think Irvin is is a good bet to make the roster, and I would put him ahead of Jamal Williams right now. Here's why. Irvin adds a different dimension to the offense than Williams does, and there is less redundancy having him on the roster with Jones and Dillon than there is with Williams. I think there's a lot of overlap between A.J. Dillon and Jamal Williams. In fact, I think in a lot of ways you could look at Williams as sort of the 1.0 version of AJ Dillon. Dillon, I guess in other words is the souped up version of Williams, considered more of a power back. You don't look at him as much in the receiving game, although the screen game maybe is there. Uh not the he's the the bigger bodied running back versus Aaron Jones, your shiftier type. On top of that, because of his player performance um bonus or whatever you call it that he got over the offseason, Jamal Williams' salary bumped up this offseason too. So if the Packers were to move on from him, it would save them about $2 million against this year's cap, a not inconsiderable amount, just something to file away in the back of your mind. If I was the Packers right now, I would be shopping Williams pretty hard. Um, And there's almost no downside to doing that. If you can find someone who's willing to give you a sixth round pick, a fifth round pick for him, I think you take it and don't look back. And if you can't find a trade partner, you keep him and you've got a reliable option in your backfield. It's not the worst thing in the world if the Packers end up keeping four running backs. You've got Jones, you've got Dillon, you've got Irvin, you've got Williams. If you go into the season and those are your four running backs, and you keep four running backs, it's not a certainly not a bad thing. But if you had the opportunity to move on for Williams or from Williams and get something out of the deal, I think that's something you take. That's just me though. I feel like I have less of a handle on what Brian Gudekunst is doing than ever before. At wide receiver, I see three absolute locks here. Devontae Adams and Devin Funches for sure. Those are your top two options. And then Alan Lazard. And of those three, I would say it actually goes Adam, Lazard, and Funches in terms of how strong of a lock I think they are. Obviously, Devontae Adams is going to be on the roster no matter what. Uh, Lazard, I think the Packers are obviously really high on him because they didn't really go out and make that much of an effort to get new receiving help. And then Funches is their one big offensive, at least skill position, free agent prize this offseason. Beyond him, it's, it's really uncertain. And this, I think, might be a year where we see the Packers carry a lot fewer wide receivers than they have in the past. I think they could go as low as five. But in order beyond those three, I've got Equinemius St. Brown as a good bet, Jake Kumerow as a, a question mark, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling as a question mark. EQ, I think, would be a good bet if he was healthy. I think he fits what the Packers are looking to do with sort of their size, speed, combination, at receiver. And I think had he been healthy throughout last season, um, he would have really done some nice things and had an opportunity for some significant playing time. I think he would have been their big slot option ahead of Geronimo Allison. And boy, are a lot of people upset at Jimmy Graham and Geronimo Allison. I've never really had a tweet go viral before, but this week I uh, tweeted out something about how Jimmy Graham and Geronimo Allison had a combined 115 targets last year, and even if the Packers didn't do anything else at wide receiver, just taking those passes and throwing them to somebody else would probably improve the offense. Like, almost 900 people liked it. I've never had that happen before. A lot of you people really don't like those two. I mean, I, I get it because they were bad last year, but really, how surprising. Um, all that to say, I think they would have rather had Equinemia St. Brown growing into that role rather than having Geronimo Allison just sort of hold it down all year because I think they do a lot of the same things. and That's why I would put him ahead of Jake Kumaro and ahead of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Kummerow and MVS are both big question marks for me. I don't, I've talked about this before. I don't really get it on Kumaro anymore. He's already in his late 20s. He hasn't really taken significant steps forward from where he was when he first arrived in Green Bay. And he's kind of just a guy. Uh, There's no real big physical upside there because even as a big receiver, it's not like he's that big. He's smaller than both St. Brown uh, and Alan Lazard for sure. And he does some some nice things blocking, sure. But come on, you can do better than that, right? You have to think that they can find a better option than Jake Kummerow. And MVS, man, I just want him to be better. And it just didn't ever happen last year. In fact, he just faded away before our very eyes. And I think of the, the six guys, or five guys rather, plus Funches carrying over from last year, Of of that group of six, he has to be the sixth guy, right? Has to be. So that's why I'm not super high on him. But I think he got three locks there: a tight end, two locks, and a pretty good bet. Jay Sternberger, your your number one tight end, at least in name, coming into the season. Right behind him, Mercedes Lewis. Two sides of your tight end coin there: Sternberger, the receiver; Lewis, the blocker. Right? Seems to make a lot of sense. They gave Lewis a pretty decent signing bonus, so he's probably going to be on your roster. Robert Tanyan, I think you roll it back one more time. At least he looks like a better option than anybody else they've got around right now, because the only other tight end on the roster, other than Deguara, who's more of a fullback, like we said, is Evan Bayless. And although he was on the active roster last year, I think I still like Tanyan's upside better than him, even if I'm lower on Tanyan than most. Not a lot of questions at tight end this year. Offensive line, six locks, two good bets, and a question mark. David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, and everybody else that was on the starting offensive line last year is a lock. In addition to Rick Wagner, we're going to go with Rick Wagner. A lot of outlets say Ricky Wagner. Ricky Wagner sounds like an NASCAR driver. And uh, we're, we got football players here, not NASCAR drivers. Um, that's twice in two podcasts. I've used that sort of joke. It is still true. I think Ricky Wagner sounds like a guy who drives a car for a living. Or he sounds like one of your fourth grade friends who moved away between fourth and fifth grade who you never heard back from again. That is not a story that I pulled from real life. Uh, that is just completely made up, and I'm not being sarcastic. Uh, Lucas Patrick, beyond those five guys, I think is also a lot given the contract extension they gave him. Uh, he backs up both your guard spots. You can use him at center if you have to. Beyond that, it gets a little bit a little bit iffy, and I think this could go a lot of different ways. For starters, uh, we've got Lane Taylor still sticking around, and that is a bit of a surprise. I don't think if you asked most Packers media folks or podcasters or bloggers in February if um, Lane Taylor would be on the roster in May, I think the vast majority would have said no. Yet here we are in May, and here he is. That said, it's easy to see why they've kept him around. Uh, he His contract is such that with no roster bonuses, no big offseason bonuses of any kind that they can just cut him and get this cap savings kind of whenever. So you might as well let the offseason play out a little bit and just see how things go and you still have the opportunity to get those cap savings there. That said, I think they do make a move between now and the end of training camp. Maybe he gets traded, somebody gets hurt on the offensive line someplace, or maybe somebody gets hurt in Green Bay. If Elton Jenkins gets hurt or Billy Turner gets hurt or Rick Wagner gets hurt and you move Billy Turner out to tackle, Suddenly, you need an extra guard, and there's Lane Taylor there with a bunch of starting experience that you can just pencil in, and everything's hunky-dory again. Also, in the grand scheme of things, he is not all that expensive. So if you end up keeping him around as a your number three guard, even ahead of Patrick, if you think of him more as a center, that's not the worst thing in the world either. I do think they try to move on, uh, but I, I, I don't know when. The other question mark, uh, beyond the guys that I actually have on the 53 is late round draft pick Simon Stepaniak. I think he ends up on either the published or um injured reserve for this season, though he it does sound like he's gonna try to give it a go at the start of the start of camp, assuming everything is on schedule, blah, 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 all those caveats. Uh he did hurt his knee late last season. I why push it if you can just stick him on injured reserve and carry him over for a year, that's fine. Um, look at him as a super long-term prospect. Beyond the six locks, I think you've got Alex Light and John Runyon as as good bets. Light stuck around in the 53 all last year. He was clearly not the best option after Brian Bulaga, but he does have some positional versatility there. He's got good size. And right now, as things stand, he is probably your number three tackle. Not great, if you can avoid that probably would um, but maybe you put Billy Turner there instead as it stands right now Alex light tackle number three John Runyon of the of the rookie lineman probably your best bet uh, can play guard probably could shift out to tackle if you really needed him to and you like his athleticism there and then Jake Hansen the other late draft pick that we haven't talked about yet um he, he's a center it's nice to have a center. I've kind of been on that for for years now, and I guess we can answer that question. Who is the Packers' backup center? Right now, they've got two options. It's either Lucas Patrick or Jake Hansen. So, yay. Defensive line, switching over to the other side of the ball. One lock on the defensive line and a bunch of good bets. Dean Lowry and Kingsley Kiki are your two starting good bets behind Kenny Clark, the absolute lock. And then beyond that, I think it's pretty wide open. Free agent acquisitions, Gerald Willis and Trayvon Hester, I have as good bets ahead of two carryovers from last year. And I think the Packers are just looking to go a little bit more veteran here. I think we've seen all we need to see to know who they are from Tyler Lancaster and Montrevious Adams. If you told me Lancaster was getting the nod over either of those two guys, I wouldn't be all that surprised. I would be surprised if Montrevius Adams was around whenever this season starts. Because as much as they said good things about him at the, uh, at the start of training camp last year, boy, when the actual season started, he was nowhere to be found. Well, actually, that is not true. You can find him pretty easily. Just look towards the sideline is there, and there is big number 90. Pretty easy to find Montrevius Adams, actually, just as long as he didn't look on the field. Um, don't know what the deal is there. It's just not coming together. That outside linebacker, Edge Rusher, whatever. Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith obviously are your starters. They're coming back. So is Rashawn Gary. You like him or hate him. He is a lock to make the roster. Beyond that, Edge Rusher is absolutely wide open. The Packers probably will keep at least four. You got three locks. Who's it going to be? your guess is as good as mine. Right now, I've got Greg Roberts, one of the carryovers from last year, penciled in there, the big dude out of Baylor, and Jonathan Garvin, the seventh round pick. Good athlete, long for days, uh, but really, it's an absolute guess. So that's going to be an interesting one to watch whenever this season rolls around. What do the Packers do with their edge rushers? why did they only play four last year? Is that what Mike Pettin really wanted to do, or is that all that he felt he had confidence in? We'll get some answers to that at some point this year. At inside linebacker, Christian Kirksey and Kamal Martin, I think, are locks beyond that. Lots of question marks. I've got Ty Summers and Curtis Bolton penciled in right now. Who knows? Um, It's an absolute mystery. You could go with one of the safety hybrids that the Packers picked up, but again, hard to say for sure. Defensive backs, Um, I think between cornerback and safety, there are seven locks right now. Let's start with cornerback. The obvious ones, Jair Alexander and Kevin King. Two starters from last year carried over to this year. We don't know what's happening with Tremont Williams right now. Right now, he's not the Packers on the Packers. They haven't re-signed him. If they do, he's going to be a lock to make the roster, I got to think, as one of your top four cornerbacks, wherever in that order he falls. But beyond King and Alexander, Chandon Sullivan, I think is an absolute lock. He was real good last year, even in, in limited um, limited outings, can play a little bit of safety too. I think he, he was as good a pickup as the Packers have made from the kind of undrafted or um, low experience guys in the Brian Gutekunst tenure. And he, it's been really cool to see him sort of develop. Beyond those three, Pretty wide open. Kadar Holman, I already mentioned, I think is a pretty good bet just because of the familiarity. Stanford Samuels, thought to be one of the best undrafted free agents out there. Could have been a third or fourth round pick had he not run um, like he was carrying his bowling ball collection around. It seems like a pretty good player. And other than the time speed not being there, he can probably do some pretty good things. Beyond those five players, cornerback is a little bit murky. Maybe they only go with five and go safety heavy again. If they go sixth, maybe Josh Jackson. I've got him penciled in there right now. If they can find a training partner for him, I'm sure they'd love to give somebody else the opportunity to figure that out, but they just don't seem to be able to find a spot for him on the field right now, and for good reason. He hasn't been good when he's been out there. Safety is pretty easy. Four locks for me. Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos, Will Redmond and Raven Green. Those are four safeties that I think are, are pretty easy to pencil in as pencil in as as firm bets to be on the 53-man roster. Savage Namus, your starters. Will Redmond, a guy they really liked enough to, to re-sign, at least for his special teams value. I'm skeptical of re-signing a guy just for special teams value, but it worked out for Jared Bush for a long time, even if he didn't always contribute all that much on defense. And then Raven Green, again, uh, versatility there, pretty good athlete. Uh, you like some of what he can do. Uh, side note, unrelated to this at all, well, I guess semi-related semi, semi related to this because he's not going to be in contention to make the 53-man roster, but Ibrahim Campbell signed with the Titans this week or late last week. I, I don't really remember. Time kind of all blurs together now. Um, boy, a lot of depressing mentions like that in this podcast, but uh, I think you could probably relate depending on, on how you're um, – coronavirus experience is going, um, but Ibrahim Campbell signed with the Titans over the last week or so, and I was actually happy to see that because of what it means for the Packers. Um, this was something that, that I've, I've sort of dinged Mike Pettin for a little bit, and this is something I think maybe Mike McCarthy was guilty of, and Dom Capers was guilty of, and I've seen it with enough coaches, I guess, in almost every sport that i followed that I wonder if it's just something that is common to coaches and maybe something that coaches can be aware of, but players who are a coach's guy, one of his preferred players, I think I even have referred to them as Patton's preferred in the past when it comes to the Packers, guys that just stick around because they do the things the coaches want them to do, whether those things are good or bad. Sometimes I think it behooves a general manager to take those sort of players away from either coaches or players because they tend to hold the entire unit and therefore the team back. I think you could argue that Jordy Nelson may have been that kind of player for Aaron Rodgers. If you're trying to get Rodgers to be a more diverse quarterback or uh, explore more options in the passing game, Maybe you have to take away one of his favorite weapons. And maybe the Packers moved on earlier than they could have. Who knows? But I think for the overall health of the roster, sometimes you have to move on from guys like that sooner than you otherwise would because it it lowers your ceiling as an offense or a defense. And I think there's there's a case to be made that Campbell was one of those guys for the Packers defense. They just wanted him to stick around because he did all the all the things that you want a reliable veteran player to do. He was assignment sure, didn't necessarily miss a lot of tackles, but he also wasn't a player who really elevated the unit either. And I think maybe it is a net positive for the Packers that he's playing somewhere else in twenty twenty. Finally you've got your three specialists. I don't think I see any reason that the Packers are gonna go another direction here. JK Scott, Hunter Bradley and Mason Crosby. Right? No objections there. The Packers aren't gonna to, gonna to move on from any of those guys. Wouldn't be a big surprise to still see those guys in Green Bay next year as well, barring something unforeseen. What do you think of the roster prediction? What is your roster prediction? What position group are you watching most closely between now and whenever the season starts? For me, it's wide receiver on offense. I think that's wide open, and edge rusher on defense. both uh, positions where there are a lot of questions yet to be answered. I'm interested in hearing your thoughts. as always, we want to keep this conversation going let us know. Weigh in on YouTube, wherever you find this show. I love to hear from you. And uh, continuing the conversation is how we help everybody become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans and are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. Next time on Blue 58, we will be discussing the next chapter of Take Your Eye Off the Ball. We're going to get back on track with that. Uh, let me know uh, what you think of that chapter, chapter 4, I believe it is. Should have looked that up before we started recording, but uh, we'll figure it out together. Whatever the next chapter of Take Your Eye Off the Ball is, we'll be talking through it. Um, If you haven't joined up that discussion yet, there's still time. We aren't that far into the book. We will be buckling down on that here in the relatively near future, though. Uh, So sign on up with us. Uh, I've been your host, John Meerdink. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time on Blue58.